0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox & Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and we talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Next week, it's happening. On October 26th at Turbo House, the Vox & Hops alumni. All of you Vox and Hops heads, Lord Worm, the original singer of Cryptopsy, and myself will all be together to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the Vox and Hops podcast. I'm so excited for this event. In the description of this podcast and on the Vox and Hops social media pages is the link where you can purchase your ticket. With the ticket, you get entrance into the party you get the 9-ounce Vox & Hops branded glassware, which I have ordered specially for this event. And you get one free tasting of the New England IPA Highway to Hops, the collaborative brew that I helped make alongside the great people of Micro Barasserie, Le Fermatar from L'Assomption Quebec. I'm so excited to see you all. I can't wait to be there with all of you next week, October 26th, at Turbo House, the Vox and Hops one-year anniversary party. Today on Vox and Hops, I am with a very special guest. Today, I am with Michael Lamett, the guitarist of Archenemy. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 79.
0: I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Today I'm with Michael Lamet of Arch Enemy, And we are at uh, St. Buck Barrasserie Artisanale on St. Denis Street in Montreal. Michael, so happy to have you on the podcast. I'm just so stoked. When I found <laughs> out it was going to happen, I was, like, super excited. Great. Everyone knows who you are, so I'll avoid that question. Let's go back, though, to your youth when you are growing up. What kind of music was playing in your house? What was your education, your musical education?
0: Um, well, my mother's interest in music her record collection I guess was where I started which is mainly classical but also jazz and some um, a, bl- a little bit of blues but mostly jazz and also like gypsy guitar and stuff like that. but mo- I, for the most part I'd say 80% of classical music growing up so is uh, listening to uh, classical music yeah <laughs>
1: I've always said that there's like a, a strong link between classical music and extreme metal. Mm. Uh, do you agree with that? The complexity of it, the time changes, the grooves, sure, yeah. the, the layers, it, the intricacies?
0: Sure, yeah. I think so, yeah. In, yeah. There's a, definitely, you can draw a line between, uh, like a make a connection, yeah. How about you, like in high
1: school? What kind of a kid were you? Were you a good kid? Were you a bad kid? Were you part of the cool crowd? Were you an introvert an extrovert?
0: Uh, yeah, more introvert and listening to music and uh just being in my own world you know um and uh getting into different music getting into my own music which started with uh you know uh more like hard rock like a kiss thin lizzie stuff like that, in the 70s and then pretty quickly i moved into punk actually a friend of mine was into punk music i was getting into punk music and he got me into it as well and um and then it, that evolved into like the more raw, like uh, um, uh, extreme punk stuff. And then, uh, you know, it was really exciting because my parents hated it. And oh, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. Did you have to share the record player with them? Uh, the, no, well, yeah, I did actually. <laughs> and then I, uh, then I had my own in my room for a while. And yeah, it was just great uh, to be into find something that was uh, like find your own world, you know. Absolutely. We yes. win music. And then from there, um, after a few years of that, and that's when I started playing as well. Was and I was playing the like the extreme punk stuff. The ho- I don't know what you call it. I guess I t- today they call it crust and Okay, okay. Uh, what bands would have been those bands? Uh, anti symex Discharge, uh, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Very heavy, very fast. Very and that's what—that's—that's
1: that's when you were like, I—I I want to do that. I want to yeah, play this. Yeah, I wanted this. to play. Yeah, exactly. and It was always guitar was your calling.
0: Yeah. Well, I was playing. With, I was in a band with two brothers. The guy that the older one who got was my age, and he got me into that music. And then his younger brother was the drummer. He was the bass player. And the, and I was a guitar player, so it's just by uh, we just played it up. Play we just decided who's going to play what, and then I just out had of to out of
1: interest. Or it just sort of lined up that everyone wanted those instruments, or did you were you like a fallback I re-
0: guy? I don't remember actually. Kay. I know they. I think they had already made up their mind what they wanted to do. So you were stuck, yeah. And who was singing? Was that ever an option? Um, we didn't really. Yeah, the bass player was singing in the beginning, and then um, we then we got a standalone singer later on, yeah.
1: How about that first guitar?
0: Do you remember it? Yeah, sure. It was a uh like a Les Paul copy. I think from Korea. I'd never seen those guitars. The brand was called Arirang. Ari <laughs> Rang. A <laughs> R I whatever. R-A-N-G. Ari Rang. And I've never seen it since. I don't have it because I traded it with a friend for something that was a little bit better. Like a Hondo blue, stra- sky blue Hondo Strat. It was a piece of shit. I sounded worse, actually. I thought it was going to be an upgrade. <laughs> but then, um, it's funny how you got have a shit like yeah, that happens. Yeah, yeah. but actually uh, back then it wasn't, this was a long time ago. So this would have been 83, 84. And then the instruments weren't really, I started very young, you know, uh, playing. and um, But then back then the more affordable instruments weren't as good as they are now. Of course, that wasn't I an guess, industry. I understand. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like good, like solid, affordable instruments for beginners were not a thing back then. It wasn't a tier thing. No, it was like a piece of shit, or like <laughs> a, you know the U.S. Uh, made Gibson or whatever. You know, there was nothing in between.
1: How about discovering music? How did you go about discovering music? Was it through influencers such as older people in your lives? Because it was a very different world compared to now, a pre-internet mm. world.
0: Of course, yeah yeah just word of mouth you know and I'd really find out once I'd done out from the punk stuff I got into like thrash metal <clears throat> speed metal was called in the beginning I think and then my friend, my friends were all heavy metal guys you know I was listening to Priest and and that kind of stuff as well Iron Maiden was exciting and then I loved Venom when they came out and then Metallica I heard Kill 'Em All I heard the Metal Militia and the Motor Breath on a radio show in 83 and uh, that blew me away. And then I spent a few months trying to find that record, and then I found it. And then Metallica became my favorite band for a long time. And then uh, I started uh, college in 85, and I met a metal guy there who was a year older than me, and he said, yeah, I had a Metallica pin on my jacket, and he said, if you like, the, if you like them, you know, the the ex player has got a new band, and they're going to put out a record. The band's called Megadeth. So then I went and picked up that, and, you know, I picked her up Slayer and stuff like that around that time. I mean, in the mid-'80s, it was just booming already. You had all the German thrash, which I was into as well. Destruction, Sodom, um, Creator put there, their first one, in 85. So there was a lot of exciting stuff happening then. And Absolutely. the whole music yeah. was just getting more and more intense and extreme. And I was kind of following the progression as it was going on. So it was kind of fun, you know, and then... Um, then i heard my first like death metal things and i started meeting some people making some friends that were tape trading and i got into that and writing letters with people all over the world and then i was suddenly kind of really into the underground scene you know and um writing with people from everything from latin america to uh, the states or um, trying to get
1: recommendations and tape trading at the same yeah, time you,
0: wh- how it worked was that you'd send basically uh, you do like a compilation of demos you know you give them uh, you know, 90 minute tapes 45 minutes on each side and then you dub you know like, I really like this this band sent me a new rehearsal or whatever so you put that on there and then you got like uh, and this could be unreleased tra- tracks they hadn't put out yet it's really on so cool. the demo or, there, or live tape or a, or a demo you know uh, uh, or a compilation track from a company that hadn't been released yet and you got that and then you put all this stuff together and then you send it off to someone and they send you back cool stuff and sometimes there were lists, you know, They there were, were Xerox lists that you could You pick. could choose from. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so... <laughs> or you just trusted somebody, you know, to give you back some cool shit. But you had to be patient. Yeah, yeah. Well, Which I mean, is International something- phone calls were not a thing because it was really, really expensive. And um, so it was just all by letters, yeah. And what we did was to save on postage is that we put the glue on top of the... The uh, stamps so like, that you could use them again. Yeah, so yes, can you send my stamps back? Please return my stamps. <laughs> so when you got the letter back, your stamps were in there. And then you could just reuse them. And then you just washed them, washed off the um, the post office stamp, right? Yes, and yes. And then you to reuse the stamps. Yeah. That's fucking awesome, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something so that, that kids nowadays will never, ever, yeah. ever understand. Glue <laughs> the patience. On stamps is not a thing anymore.
1: No, no, we're just having the patience to wait for this surprise oh, yeah, in because the mail. now
0: you hear something and you just kind of like click on a link and it goes to a, you know... The, streaming service of some sort, right? A band camp or or uh, Spotify. Or Spotify Apple or, Music, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that that's um I think we had to sort of um Yeah, you built up a really um uh, and all the pictures and everything was like really because it was all underground fans fanzine so it was all Xeroxed and shitty quality, you know, so... It created an, a, an it illusion will, and, an, uh, yeah, and, and a, mystique, a lure, you know, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah around it, so it's more uh, uh, I found it to be very exciting actually.
1: Versus nowadays it's a lot of big metal stars almost have like their Instagram pages and, even and the they have to ones, show, th- show well, their whole looks lives. Everybody like they're yeah. big nowadays. Yeah. 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 And yeah. every aspect of their lives has to be out there for you to be like in the mainstream and be interesting and become like a big social media star. It's yeah. a complete opposite of back in the day. You show up at a show, you know exactly what a guy's going to look like you know what all the songs are going to sound like. Mm. Whereas back in the day, it was, a, it was a mystery.
0: It was. I can. I miss that, you know. I think that was quite cool. But, you know, I'm also happy to be doing this now, you know. So it's like, I've done both. So. You've been doing it for so long. Yeah. yeah. For so long. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What about that first live concert experience?
0: Uh, that would have been uh, local shows, local punk shows, stuff like that. And just, uh, you know... And this was kind of like just getting in the... It wasn't called a mosh pit back then, but just getting into that kind of uh, violence in front of the stage and kicking the shit out of each other. That was fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How about your first show? Do you remember that? With you being on stage performing?
0: Yeah, it was nerve-wracking. It was horrible. It took me... Actually, I hated it, and it took me a long time. You know, when you start out being uh, and you're playing local shows uh, and you don't do it that very, very often. If you're lucky you do it once a month, right? And if you're not you do it like three once times a year, a year or something. Once a yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And it just like leading up to it was just all this you want you couldn't improve on what you'd done the last time because you didn't know how to it you thought like well that didn't work out and <laughs> you know what I am got I gonna nervous do next time? And I fucked up or my sound wasn't right or yeah, you know I mean my first Fifty to hundred shows were without any monitors for sure. Ah, yeah, they were just yeah, at yeah. parties, you know, just throw up a vocal PA and go thrash it out in a garage or in an underground small club or a like a, a squat or something. You know what I mean? At least any, anarchy, anywhere where you, you can make, eno-
1: make enough noise. Yeah, and the, the cops won't show
0: up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This all started off very very basic. Yeah, and then slowly. It wasn't until I joined uh, Carcass in 1990 and uh, we went on the road and we went on tour in Europe no summer and then we went on tour in the States. And that's really when I started doing night after night playing shows. That, I, that, that was when the when first time, really? Yeah, okay. and that's when I could improve my... Um, well, uh, firstly, getting a hold of my... Like controlling my nerves and uh, the nervousness and, you know, and then getting into... Uh, improving my performance, you know, and stuff and like showmanship that. Showmanship. Well, yeah. that came a bit later. We just had very long hair back then. Hey. That, that was the show. <laughs> <laughs> I still do that to this day. Oh, yeah.
1: Vox <laughs> <laughs> and Ops is all about hanging out with metal musicians and drinking craft beer. Mm-hmm. I love craft beer. Are you a craft beer enthusiast? I am not. No? No. Have you ever drank a craft beer? I
0: lot, yeah, because I'm a musician and on tour all the time and people think I like it. So we get a lot of the... And we started seeing that, you know, uh, 15 years ago, or something like that. And it was exciting then, but I've just gone off the whole thing. I'm not into <laughs> it anymore.
1: <laughs> so when you finish your show, you're hot and sweaty, what is it that you gravitate towards?
0: Uh, I just want a normal beer. I just want like a Pilsner or a, a lager, you know, something. I, don't, I want a beer that tastes like beer. I don't want a... Uh, you know uh licorice infused uh, ipa or whatever you know i'm not into this kind of stuff at all <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> you know i know people are getting excited about it and it's cool you know i mean the hipster culture in every way um, they, they go they uh, really tend to uh, develop they take uh, things a step further and that's great you know i think that has to be done there's a progression there but uh for me i'm more like i like the classics yeah exactly are you the same way with your metal i am
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I so am. all this new extreme tech death extreme stuff is not for you you like the classic metal bands
0: well i don't know well it depends sometimes i hear stuff i like you know but um i'm all about guitar riffs you know this is bad where i never enjoyed the I mean, I respect the shit out of Mashoga, but I never like, I would never listen to their music, you know, because (laughs) they don't have guitar riffs. They just uh, have uh, rhythms. And I'm more of a melody guy, I'm a riff guy. So more than I am, a, a just a pure groove guy. Yeah.
1: That is something I wanted to ask you about. Is uh, you've written so many albums, so many classic riffs. Mm-hmm. How do you approach writing a new album? It must be like almost daunting to invent something new. Oh, well, it just is. It catchy. is daunting
0: when you don't have any material. You know, when you just don't have anything. Exactly. Uh, but once you get a riff, and you think, "Oh, that's pretty cool," and then you get a few riffs going, and then you sort of put them together. And, um, well, when you get that first song, that first arrangement of a new song, and it's your first song to start up the new album with, or, you know, to... It's a starting point, and then you work, take it from there. I think, yeah. Just little building blocks. It is, yeah. That's
1: awesome, that's awesome. Yeah. Where do you write riffs? How do
0: you write riffs? Where does it come from? Great, I wrote one today on the way here, on the way from the hotel to the venue. In your mind? Yeah, and then I... uh, I got my guitar in the dressing room down there and I uh, yeah. recorded it. Yeah. Into your phone,
1: into... Yeah. Awesome, I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And then you go home and then you piece everything together. Yeah,
0: I've got a lot of these. You know, I think all, all musicians do the same now. They'll get, you know, guitarists and stuff do the same. Or if you're a singer, you probably... S- <laughs> we have these uh, devices with us all the time now, so it's great to capture. I used to call my own answering machine
1: <laughs> yes.
0: and and hum riffs <laughs> you know and then I'd come back from tour or wherever I was and I wouldn't understand what the time it's in or anything I didn't understand what the hell going on
1: because it's funny how your mind forgets yeah riffs I was just thinking, but stuff for something easily?
0: about this from yeah. for me to like to have liked it that much to call myself <laughs> yeah but th- then you can't remember yeah sometimes you know but uh, and then other times I'll come up with ideas uh, I play guitar every day At home I play for a few hours every day and um, and I just do it out of pure... um, It's just a part of my daily routine. It's not something that I... I'm not focused on uh, practicing, you know. I'm just jamming and... It's like a part of your... It's an extra limb. Yeah. And um, to keep everything, you know flowing you know the playing and then also to uh, i just it's more about the writing i think it's exciting to come up with new ideas but you know there'll be days and weeks where i don't come up with anything and that's a little bit depressing but then suddenly i'll write five or six uh, musical ideas in one day and then that's a really great day right yeah, absolutely so, yes absolutely and yeah. that's <laughs> um, that's very exciting and I'm not really big on demoing uh, my own uh, stuff. I don't I'm not a uh, i am not could never really ge- get good at programming drums and stuff like that. So what I do is um, I work very closely with our drummer Daniel and uh, we have demo sessions. So he's kind of like uh, the the studio side of it. He's like a studio side of it as well. So we, we uh, get we have various ways of doing it. Real drums, electronic drums, or programmed drums, and different setups and different spaces. And then we, uh, we create the arrangements together, yeah.
1: That's awesome. That's really very exciting. Two time travel questions. Okay. If you go back in time and relive any tour that you have been on, been a part of, what tour would that be?
0: Um, probably my first U.S. tour, which was uh, supporting death. On the spiritual Healing Tour in 1990, oh, cool. and uh, because it was my first time in the U.S., and um, I don't think the tour came up here. I don't think we did Canadian dates. Could be wrong. I can't. But it's all a <laughs> bit of a haze. You know, I'd like to go back and do it again. Yeah, just, be, I'm not really a nostalgia. I love touring now. You know, I'm happy to still be doing it. But that was quite fun because everything was the first time. Absolutely, you know? yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was the first time doing it all or, or doing all that stuff. So it's really cool.
1: Now it's at the point where you show up and it's like, oh, we're back at the metropolis. Here we yeah, are again. I mean, the
0: people say uh, I'm going away from the time machine. But um, in now, you know, people always tell me you live such an exciting life. My accountant, he <laughs> always thinks I live a very exciting <laughs> life. You know, we went to school together in Sweden and he's just like, tell me what's going on. And, you know, you're in a new city every day. It must be exciting. It is still very fun. It's very enjoyable. It's all I know, really. But at the same time, I've been to all these cities many, many times. So I'm kind of like, I've got my favorite spots. Like, I know this neighborhood very well here around the... The venue, the club, soda, the yes, so cupons, Metropolis, uh, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah, and the Metropolis, yeah, right. So it's like you come back to the same spots usually. It's a circuit, right? Absolutely. But yeah. I love, uh, I love, still love going out touring. It's what we do, and uh, I really enjoy going to places I've never been before, you know. But the, those are getting fewer.
1: Is there a bucket list I was less. gonna ask? What What is that one place well, that you never haven't been,
0: been. been to? enemy's never been to. South Africa, we played North Africa. Um, I played in South Africa with Carcass, but never with Arch Enemy. And uh, there are a couple of spots. But you know, we're starting to expand a lot now. We, we uh, did 10 shows in China uh, last year, this year. Yeah. Last year and this year, we did 10 shows in China. And uh, you know, 10 different cities, which is crazy. You know, we used to only, we started going there in 2006 or 2005. But then it was only like Beijing and Hong Kong or whatever. Now, we, now we go to all these cities you never heard of. So it's before. a bunch of
1: firsts again.
0: Exactly. So yeah. that's fun, and I like that. And we're same with Russia. We go all over Russia and play um, really, you know, far away places. You know, in Siberia and stuff. Wow. Like. And the fun. people,
1: the people really appreciate it because yeah, they, they don't get there's shows. There's metal
0: fans there. There's archenemy fans there, and they're there's. You know, a thousand or fifteen hundred or two thousand arch enemy fans of these cities, and they're going nuts for our music. And I know we, for a fact, we haven't sold any records over there. <laughs> so It's just great to. Uh, I'm speaking of China, maybe Russia as well, but you know, it's great to uh, just be able to go there. Yeah, and yeah, it's,
1: it's good to connect with fans. Oh Keep yeah,
0: it's it's very, very exciting, you know, because you know, as the main songwriter, I, I just I dream up these. Songs, and then we put them together as a band and work really hard on it, put out a record, and then to go and see people's Reactions, reaction so to yeah. them. That's the most satisfying thing. Maybe um, that's I agree. another question you're going to ask, but that's no, that's, that's, a, that's, question that's, that's, that's that a
1: classic. Que- I don't ask classic questions, yeah, yeah, you get asked that a <laughs> yeah. lot, but
0: that is one of the most rewarding things, I think. Yeah, because it's like you create something out of nothing and then it means something or a lot to many people. Second time travel, if you can go back in time.
1: And revisit Michael at 12 years old. What CD would, or tape or whatever you record would you give him for an education into metal? At
0: the age of 12. Well, something. Would I be bringing something from the future? Exactly. Back? Yes. Wow. Well, I think I'd bring uh, Will to Power, the latest Arch Enemy album. <laughs> Good for you. And, <laughs> and show, it, show it to my 12-year-old. Like you, you know. You will do this. This is what this. You will do this, and I don't think. And that will be kind of fun, right? They would be very uh, I don't think one day you will achieve this. Yeah. Well, yeah, something so um, like advanced, you know, musically and and also that kind of music wasn't around back then, so it would be totally from totally from <laughs> the future. Satan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Satan's gift from the future. You That'll guys have gone.
1: You've um, changed singers three times. Three singers now. Yeah, but hopefully every ti- not again, right? No, you're not going to, no. <laughs> you, you've, but every level of it has just been higher and higher. Yes. How were those moments in between, the ambivalence between having um, a singer and not, like, the switches? How did, you, how did you approach that? How did you feel about those moments? Oh, it's
0: obviously hugely exciting when you have... Well, I had new music. When uh, Angela left the band, And we got Elisa and started working with her. It was really exciting, but we didn't. We finished. We did demos and finished the album, and we didn't tell anybody what was going on. So we were kind of working, you know, a very clandestine sort of uh, operation that we were running at that time. We didn't really want people to make um, a big deal out of it. Well, we didn't want to have that pressure of, oh, Angela's left the band and. Oh, they got a new singer. That's not going to be as good. Or, or you know, if we don't announce we had a new singer, oh, they're done. You know, they're never going to find anybody. You know, we didn't really want to have all that going on. So we just went ahead and worked hard, really hard on on a record. But it is exciting. But it's also, I didn't expect Arch Enemy to do as well as it has. But really, um, I really believed in the songs that we were creating at that time but i, th- I really believe that we were going to go down in popularity because Angela left and then, and then we're going to climb our way back gonna up we're going to work our way back up we're going to work super hard and we're going to get back to where we were so when that, she left yeah but what happened what ended up happening is that we just we were at that level and then we just where we when Angela left and then we just took off into a whole new level up, upwards, <laughs> which was great. I Elisa, mean, uh, Elisa, I don't know un- how that happened. Alisa is a superstar; she's fantastic, and I think um, it was just the album was great. The, the she was great, and um, it was just a combination, right? Of um, and I think some t- maybe yeah, and sometimes, and now I was stuck, you know, because I'm very traditional and I'm um, a very old school metal fan, maybe that I when a singer leaves a band it's a big deal it's it's not going to be good anymore <laughs> I don't even want to listen to it you know I have no idea what you're
1: talking about yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? so, um,
0: and I thought it was going to be like that and uh, but I think nowadays um, it's a faster it's a faster pace and the um, I don't want to say the kids but the the fans are more. The younger fans are more into new things happening and they accept changes. And yesterday's news is kind of like you don't even remember yesterday's news. You're on to the next thing. But you guys also came, she has such a set of pipes, clean vocals. Oh, yeah. But yeah. You, she didn't do that
1: on that first album. You guys went pure screams the whole way, which was a smart move because if had yeah. you come in and had to do cleans on that first one, sure, yeah. then it would have been a more of a backlash maybe.
0: Yeah, you know, you got to be a little bit, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, we are a mainly extreme band, you know. um, I always, when I created Arch Enemy in 95, I wanted to do what I'd done previously with Carcass, which was incorporating, you know, uh, melodic riffs and melodies into the heavy stuff, fast drumming, uh, 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 brutal vocals, but still have a lot of melody in the guitars. So just wanted to continue with that. But even go even more in that direction, go even explore that even more with Arch Enemy, which well, with the new band, which it was at the time. And then that's what we're still on the same path, really. I don't think we're not going to be a band that switches to having ballads or something. Well, we had a kind of a ballad on the last album, sure. Our I was first. happy, when, I was happy when it happened. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, uh, what I was mean, the reaction I mean, to that? I think mostly good. And some people didn't like it, but that's—I like writing music as well that people don't like. I like throwing in stuff that uh, people are gonna be talking about, you know, <laughs> talking point. As is long as, good. as long as you like it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's the thing. We know we write. Now we the music we're making is for ourselves first and foremost, I guess. But it's also. You want to make stuff that, you know, but I think if we like it, we know the fans are going to like it. At least a lot of fans are going to like it. That's right. You can't please everybody all the time, as they say. uh, I mean, at the day, it doesn't matter as long as you guys like it. I see a lot of fans have sort of maybe left the band, you know, like that were there in the early days. They moved on, but they maybe moved on in their lives as well. You know, things happen. You get more bigger job, or you you have uh, kids. You have kids, and you, have can't, kids yep. and you move out to the suburb. You can't get into the shows anymore. So a lot of people sort of that we used to see all the time are gone. But at the same time, the shows are a lot bigger, and there's a lot more people there, and there's a lot of younger people there. There's a lot more girls there, and it's, uh, it's and a then they're going to come back. Too. They're going to
1: come back. Those people with their kids.
0: Yeah, I mean, and then we have fans that have stayed with us the whole way uh, as well. So it's great. Yeah, and maybe, like you said, in a few years, they will come back with their kids. Which is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) How do you feel about... I feel like
1: the press loves to create clickbait...
0: Of course, yeah.
1: ...with whatever Lisa says. How do you feel about that? And how do you approach doing press when you know that a lot of it's going to get dissected, hypothetically?
0: Yeah, like this one. (laughs) This will be picked up by whatever... And then Mike, just, said, just just
1: tag it right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um,
0: well, I mean, I think yeah, it's very unfair towards Elise Southfield, you know a lot of stuff is it's been uh, well, recently there's been a few very unfair things unfair towards her, because you know, I know her quite well now after uh, spending you know five years on the road with her and working with her very closely. And, um, yeah, I think, but you know, it's always going to be more interesting. One, she's female. One, she's in one of the most, uh, oh, second, she's in one of the most popular metal bands. Uh, three, she's very vocal about certain issues uh like veganism and stuff like that but that's very positive and she can use social media to her advantage to spread that message but it can also there's a backlash sometimes and it's a back and forth right so it's uh it can swing both ways it's very but those are the times we live in you know i don't really have any advice for her or anybody else she's doing a great job you know doing what she does and i respect her tremendously but um for other people, I don't know, you know, and the whole thing with social media, all the clickbait stuff, or whatever is, it is just how it, it is. Just how it is nowadays. I never thought that kind of uh, journalism would come into the metal scene mm-hmm. or the extreme. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah, scene. yeah, yeah. I just never saw that. I mean, of it's, course, it's very petty. Of course, with like Motley Crue or something, they had famous. They would, you know, they married people off TV shows or whatever. You know, they were a part of that mainstream. Do you think? Do you think
1: it's Ozzy's fault for doing the TV show?
0: I don't know, but I never thought that kind of journalism would come into the our world, into our scene. I never saw that coming, mm. but now it's here, and it's probably here to stay for quite a while. Ah, yeah, it's not going anywhere. It's, mm. it's the the culture that we're in now. Yeah, but I what is pretty scary is that, not scary. It's just sad because people believe they just read the headline and then they don't even read the story. And then if you scroll down and read the comments, it's like they're asking questions. They're like, oh, just blurting out, like, they're reacting on the headline, not on the actual... content of oh, the, the... Because yeah. I don't, they probably don't have the patience to read or can't I don't think that people or, do anymore. Or they yeah. can't read... Uh, in a the big fonts. The yeah, capital exactly, letters. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm a big, like, research guy. You know, our background. I like the whole... Story. I try to the I'm, whole picture at,
1: before you make your your judgment. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I don't like to have just a knee jerk reaction. I've never commented on anything online. <laughs> You know? <laughs> I've never commented on a YouTube video. Have you, like, started writing and then just deleted it afterwards? Have done. I, d- I do that a lot. Yeah. I'll write something out and go, well, nah, never oh, mind. You I'm mean delete it. pages, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've yeah. done that well. I'm just like, but then I have to stop myself because... That's what they want. That's what they want, yeah. And you realize, that and they, oh, shit, they almost got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be wiser than them. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, you know, it's um, it just created this thing there. But, you know, it's at the same time, it's like if we were not, there are bands that put out great music and uh, they don't have any followers on their social media platforms or they don't get any comments on these metal news websites when they announce they got a new album. Or, That's right. Or, or they do an interview and it's not even picked up by these metal news websites. So in that way, you know, I guess you've got to take the good with the bad, I guess. You, you, do, you guys have a lot of power, which is awesome. Yeah. With power
1: comes great responsibility.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, being very irresponsible.
1: <laughs> what would be some advice that you would like to give someone starting a metal band right now?
0: That's one of the hardest questions and one I get asked. Questions. That's the first cliche question of is this it? interview. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> well, no, but uh, I think it, it's interesting because um, the... Um, it is actually true, because that makes me think about it a lot. I'm thinking, what the hell am I going to say to... What am I? I never have a good answer. And the reason I don't have a good answer is because when, when I started, all that is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So I, I, knew, I knew how to start a band. No internet. And no internet. Yeah. Uh, and with the mindset that I'm never going to get signed because my music's too extreme, if I can put out a few demo tapes and and get some great feedback in the underground and get some indie Xerox shitty fanzines that, all that around the world. That was your goal. Your that goal was, my was goal. to get onto play, these lists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just be respected and have like, hey, that new tape was awesome. Or, you know, I love that riff or whatever that you guys did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I didn't have the ambition to become a big rock star or anything. I never you had. You didn't that. think it was possible? No. There was no platform. No, because. And then s- the first death metal albums were coming out. Uh, for example, uh, Slowly We rode I mean, before that, Scream Bloody Gore and, uh, and there was like a Slaughter from Canada had a record out and uh, Possessed. And there was stuff that, like, you know, but there was stuff that was kind of thrashed but almost death, like sacrifice up in toronto their first album and the first possessed of course but it was just very i didn't seem like that was something that i could achieve so i was just very happy playing very small underground shows and and uh, just recording demos rehearsing putting new i didn't have no ambition so starting out a band now i don't know I do didn't really. Didn't, I was ambitious in a way, but in a different way. You know, I was I was writing letters and promoting my band, and but that doesn't really exist now. So now you, you know, all the bands look like they've got a lot to offer now. You know, they have. Um, it's very organized now with with. Uh, it was more by the seat of your pants before, almost back in the day. Very much so, yeah. yeah. And things just happen. You had to be very good, I think, to make some noise or. But at the same time, it was a little bit easier because there was less bands. Now, there's just uh, so many bands, and I'll never be able to catch up and find out who about all these bands. People turn me on to stuff, but I don't have time to listen to everything. So, um, I think it's very... I don't know. I don't know how to really... I mean, they're trying to monetize what they're doing, you know, through the... You know, you have all these. You know, you got Instagram. You got the the Bandcamp thing, and you got the PayPal, and you can. uh, The bands are printing merchandise and um, putting out EPs and stuff like that, right? Digital EPs and. That's correct. It's it's just like very. It seems very hard though to get something going. You know, like we had the once I did get to a certain level and I could. when I got when we could put our record out, we had the support. Then suddenly we were working with distributors. All the label was, you know, with the distributors, worldwide distribution. People working for the band, people, journalists paying attention, reviewing it in depth, and uh, uh, and then you could. There was a whole different like uh, setup. There was, a, but that whole system seems to be kind of Absolutely smashed. Almost, man. yeah. yeah. Man. Which is go- both good and bad, I guess, you know, but it's just very different now. So I think for me to sit here with, uh, you know, with Arch Enemy in 2019 and tell people how they should do, what they should do now. And say, I, the only thing I can say, just play the music that you love and follow your heart, you know, as, as, as far as the music goes. The, and the rest, I have no idea how to make that happen. <laughs> I don't know how I ended up here, to be honest. <laughs> I have no idea. It's just been so the many. Riffs. It's been such a long... Winding path. Winding path. Yeah. And all through all kinds of trends. But what I always did is I stayed true to myself. I just like... I like riffs. I like playing guitar solos. I think they have a place in heavy metal. I still consider Arch Enemy to be a heavy metal band. An extreme heavy metal band. Um... I mean, we're not a death metal band. Have never been, but we had elements of death metal, elements of thrash, elements of classic metal, um, just a few progressive things, maybe. But you know, it's just not. Never been a. We've never been a pure death metal band ever, and never, not even a melodic death metal band. You know, because we've just had so many things that went into our music, and then it's just a melting pot. And then you, it comes out sounding the way it does. Um, but yeah. I don't know what. I just, yeah, stay true to yourself. And I think that's, that's what I've done. That's what we've done with Arch Enemy. I think that's the most important thing. Because if you're chasing trends, then by the time you, you get out there with your thing, that trend is probably over anyway or kind of on the way out. You're absolutely and then, right. And then you just keep playing catch up all the time. I think that's, that must be, I think it's better to be like I've been, where you're completely unfashionable <laughs> for the most part. And then sometimes we have these, moments where it's like oh shit now everything's really happening again for the band and, but we just it's like that happened to Iron Maiden that happened to you know all the classics right that just keep going Michael thank you
1: so much coming sitting down with me at the same book I really appreciate it cheers cheers Hey, thank you all so much for listening right to the end. Uh, Michael, such an honor to have you on the podcast. It was just so cool. Uh, I remember purchasing Wages of Sin way back in the day and totally, totally eating that album up. It was an honor. It was fun hanging out with you. As many of you might have noticed, uh, we didn't talk about what beer we were drinking throughout the podcast because um, Michael felt that it was too early in the day to start drinking some beers I personally had a beer. It was a delicious beer from the great people at Saint-Buc, which is where I conducted this interview. Throughout the interview, I personally was drinking Saison Mangue Chardot, which is a sour saison that was made with mangoes and then aged in a Chardonnay cask. It was delicious. I really enjoyed it. Michael personally wanted to drink a coffee, but their coffee machine was out of order, so he ended up drinking water with me. We had fun nonetheless. You must always respect everyone's wishes, whether it be a craft beer podcast or not. Everybody has their own choices in life, and you must respect that. Just a quick reminder that you guys should get your tickets for the one-year Vox & Hops anniversary party, which is happening next week on October 26th at Turbo House, which happens to be right across the street from La Saint-Boc Brasserie Artisanale. I'm so excited to be there with the Vox and Hops alumni, all of you Vox and Hops heads, and Lord Worm to celebrate one year of the Vox and Hops podcast. Super excited for this to happen. If I could fast forward and just be there right now, I would. I can't wait. Hope you guys have a great weekend. And remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads.